Hello and welcome to Life of the School, episode 117. Hello, my name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher from Massachusetts. And each episode of Life at School, I like to sit down with a panel of life science teachers and talk about the issues facing us in our classroom and are facing our students. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about the concept of student engagement and what what even that phrase means to us. Um, and to do that, we are going to start with our goofy question where we introduce ourselves and. Um, we're going to ask the question, what is one activity that you get completely lost in and you spend hours without doing it, without even realizing it? It's almost like you you drift off because you're so lost in something. And for that, we're going to start with uh, Tanea Hibbler from Arizona. Tanea, what is an activity that you get completely lost in? Okay, so I wasn't sure how to 100% interpret the question. I wasn't sure if you meant like <laughs> in teaching because I could just totally mm-hmm. get lost in teaching. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, 15 minutes passed. I can't believe class is over. Or it could yeah. be sleeping. What? I slept <laughs> 10 hours. I can't believe it's passed. <laughs> or it could just be, you know, singing karaoke. So um, <laughs> dancing, definitely. It could also be dancing because I could dance all night till like four o'clock in the morning and I haven't danced for over a year. So. I'm probably not answering the question the way you wanted to, but my idea of like engaging activity is constantly changing. So I am kind of trying to (laughs) redefine what that means to me. And so I don't really know how to answer the question. Yeah. Well, I think your answer was like, I very revealing about you. When I asked the question, you immediately went to teaching first and then your second one was sleeping. And I think (laughs) that 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 speaks a lot to where you are (laughs) in your life. (laughs) <laughs> and life choices that you've made. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, how about you, Lee? What What is something that you get lost in? So it's totally just reading for fun, right? Like, especially if I'm reading mm-hmm. something that is just super engrossing. Like, there have been times when I've like laid down at night and, you know, I'll have my Kindle open and I'll be reading. It'll be like 11 o'clock at night. And then six or seven hours later, it's like six in the morning. The sun is coming up. And I'm like... Oh my God, I finished an entire book. <laughs> you know, and I didn't realize that that much time had gone by because I'm just reading constantly. And if the book is really good, then it makes it even, you know, it makes the time go by even faster. And, and then I don't realize that that much time has passed. I do that a lot in the summer. Yeah. yeah. Not so much during the school year, but during the summer, definitely. And on breaks, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would say that absolutely that like, if you did that during the school year, it'd be a problem. Oh yeah, um. for sure. Well, but the thing I do during the school year that is a problem is like curriculum planning. Like if I get into a zone, I'll sit and I'll hmm. plan stuff and then I won't realize how much time has gone by. And I'm like, oh my God, I should probably go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so late because uh. I just like, I just like designing learning. It's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, right. I, I relate. How about you, Ryan? What What is something that you get completely lost in? I, I wish I had a more academic answer. I but I so rarely get to zone out and um, stream video like on Hulu or Netflix. That when I actually get to, um, I I can just hours can pass by and I will not realize what all has happened. I, it's how I watched the entire series of Breaking Bad. I 
did not realize that I was <laughs> essentially binge watching the entire series. And lo and behold, that's where I was uh, after just a few weeks. So for me, like I was, I was actually thinking about this as I was, I was doing this because it's one of the things that's always bothered me about uh, workshops I've gone, particularly in my school, that talk about engagement. Um, but I get lost in lots and lots of things. Like one of the things that I constantly get lost in is uh, lately it's been woodworking. Like I'll go out to work on a woodworking project in my garage, and I'll be like, "All right, I'm gonna go out and work for like an hour, and then I'll come in and have lunch." And the next thing I know, it's like four hours later, and like I forgot to eat lunch because I started at 11 and, you know, or 1030. And, and now it's like almost it's time to plan dinner, like that kind of thing. Um, and that's happened to me on Saturdays. And um, I do that in a lot of different things, though. And I, I was realizing that, uh, you know, I, I, I get into a flow state pretty easily where I get into something. And I realized that I might have like the opposite of ADD. Like I might have like attention surplus disorder. Um, that was something that came to my head. Like, like, I don't know if that's a thing, but if it is, I have it. <laughs> Because it'll do it with curriculum development. I'll do it with woodworking. I do it with brewing. I do it with I, I, with everything. I, I get into these like little, I get into a little pocket of my own world and I can block the world out really, really easily. So, all right. Well, so now I want to get into this and I want to start with this first word, which is engagement. Um, and because I think we all go to workshops or we all hear from teachers and we all get evaluated. Um, I know that in my evaluation, engagement is one of those things that like, evaluators come in and they look for in your class. But I want to know is like, is engagement something that you like actively consider when lesson planning? And so Lee, how about you? Like you, you do a lot of different planning. You've already talked about your curriculum design. Is, is mm -hmm. engagement something that you're actively considering when you're laying out curriculum? Um, to a certain point, yes. Um, because let's face it, there's some parts of biology that are just not engaging. I mean, there, and that's true for, I think, everything that gets taught, right? Like there's always going to be some parts of things that are just not engaging, no matter how you dress it up, no matter how you slice it there, it's not going to be. Um, and so I think that, you know, I think sometimes people confuse engagement with entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, kid, you know, you'll hear people say, well, the kids are bored by this and the kids are bored by that. Well, it's like, well, what do you want me to do? Right. Am I supposed to get up and do a song and dance and, 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 you know, have a dog and pony show or whatever, because then at what point does the, the teaching that's coming from you stop looking authentic, right? In the name of trying to get kids engaged and interested in whatever it is they're doing. You know, how, how do you draw that line? Where, where do you figure out, you know, what, what is engaging versus what is entertaining and which mm -hmm. one has more value, you know? So to some extent, yes, I do consider that just because like you said, you know, it's part of my evaluation, you know, are this, per, and, it, and it's a part of my evaluation in terms of what percentage of students are engaged <laughs> in the work that you're doing at the time. I mean, that's, that's how they, that's how they, that's how they evaluate us, you know, and how do you, and, and as an evaluator, how do you measure that? You know, what do you look for? I mean, I just, I, I don't understand <laughs> what, what they're looking for. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you, and I, I have I have thoughts in my head about that as mm -hmm. a a metric yes. of uh, of evaluating a teacher because, yeah. But I think we'll get to that in, in a yeah. little bit. Um, 
Ryan, how about you? Uh, what is what are you doing when you're thinking about your planning? Is engagement a key part of your considering of lesson planning? It it absolutely is. Um, when I first started teaching, my very first superintendent was huge into Kagan Cooperative Learning, and their motto is "It's all about engagement." Um, so I am constantly asking myself whether the students are truly engaged or are they just being compliant because they want to get the hour over with. Um, I also yep. have a student teacher this semester and she, I'm constantly asking her, you know, uh, what percent of the kids are being engaged right now, or are we just standing at the front of the room and talking? Um, en engagement is a huge, huge thing for me. I, I try to maximize it as much as possible. I was curious about that that idea about uh, you parsed out the difference between like are they just getting through are they like performative and and I um, it, it, it brought up in my head the concept of like hands on versus minds on which is a I think a terrible phrase but um, something that I think is sometimes used as a shorthand to talk about sort of how students can look engaged but they're just doing the compliant things that you've asked them to do. Um, and I'm wondering if, right. you know, especially when you're working with like a student teacher, it did, how do you parse that out? Or is it something that's even comes up? Oh, I mean, absolutely. The, the kids are masters at playing the game. You know, they, they know <laughs> what it takes for a teacher to, to leave them alone. So <laughs> that they will, they they will do what it takes to be compliant, but they have been um, conditioned to think that compliance is what a teacher wants when it really isn't. You know, we we, we really do want them to be engaged. So um, I, I I think that we yeah, there there are certain there are certain strategies you can you can use to ensure engagement, and I think. If if we if that was part of teacher training, I think we would be much further along than we are now. Hmm. Oh yeah, teacher training. That's I think you've now maybe just named what something we should. We maybe that's an upcoming episode. We we will design teacher training. What should teacher training <laughs> yes, look like? Yes, that um, would be amazing. <laughs> excellent. That would be amazing. It, yeah, maybe maybe I think of I was looking at some upcoming episodes. Maybe I think we may have just struck on what our uh, our upcoming uh, uh, our upcoming episodes might have to be about. That could be like a two hour episode uh, in itself. I think it, it very easily could be, or two, definitely a two parter. Uh, all right, how about you, Tanea? Do you consider engagement when you are uh, lesson planning? Y yes and no, because like I said, I'm still trying to really understand what that means i think um i think typically of engagement as like the kids are asking the questions they're reflecting um they're they're at least doing something like analyzing some data or trying to come up with some representation of something right they're having a dialogue discussion um however like i think we should be pushing kids to be solving real world problems, things that they care about. Um, we should be interrogating like the systems that we're a part of or the systems that are a part of our society and 
I don't really think that we have done that really well or not as authentically as mm-hmm. we can as, as schools. Um, and I think we don't, like we're always confined to our classroom, right? Not all schools, but a lot of schools were confined to our classroom, but we're not really engaged in the community. And so I think um, the engagement isn't where it, it could be, right? So I'm trying to take myself out of my um, little bubble that I've been placed in as a person who's grown up in America and public educational system. And I'm trying to look at like education through a new lens and think about, well, what would I want um, for my own kids or what could school possibly um, be? And I think the problem is for a lot of teachers, especially this year, is that a lot of teachers are just treading water, right? They're just trying to survive. And when you're trying to survive and you don't have like the space in the room to like, think about what does engagement mean or collaborate with other teachers about how we can engage kids or um, how do we create that space for kids to engage authentically. I think it's, even if it's not valued to even ask those questions at the school that you're at, it's almost impossible to create like that culture on the campus. And so I think hopefully schools can try to hire with that in mind, like that they're hiring people who want to engage in those dialogues. But I think it's a really tough question. I think we as educators have to be, we have to push and say we ha- we can do better and we have to do a much better job of engaging kids. And especially regardless of whether we're online or not, because I feel like my kids this year weren't engaged to the extent that they should have been. As kids who are curious, right, about the world, hmm. they, they really weren't engaged. They were just going through the motions. Yeah. And, and I, I, boy, you hit so many thoughts in my head as you guys were talking, because I have remarkably compliant students. I teach in a school where I teach at a very academically minded school and I teach the most academically minded students in that school. So like, I don't have to do a, like a song and dance to convince them to be engaged. Like they kind of come primed and ready Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't really have to worry about like, I don't have to worry about them coming and doing work. Um, and so I very, I know I unconsciously filter the activities of what I do in my class because I want, I don't want anything to be boring, but I took, pick the filter for me. Like, would this thing be boring? Um, and that's, doesn't mean that it's like easy. Um, in fact, a lot of times what I want to do is like a, what I consider like a productive struggle, like a, a, or a challenge or something that's like, you know, interesting. Um, but I also know that I, I was actually having, I had some kids come to office hours just the other day and I was like, I can kind of have them do whatever I want. Like I could give them like an impossible biological system to try to solve. Like I could pull like journal articles and give them like really complicated figures and they'll just grind away at it um, for some amount of time. Like they eventually will hit a quit point, but their quit point is, uh, is pretty high. Like I I can make them struggle for a long time just because of the nature of the students. Um, And that's a a huge privilege that I have. Uh, So I try to build the trust so that I can get that struggle going as long as possible. And I think that if I bring activities that are boring, then that erodes that trust. And so I, I unconsciously filter because I want to have stuff that's like, you know, fun to do um, and a fun challenge. 
but yeah, it's it's uh, interesting when you talk about what, like the engagement piece <laughs> because it's like what does that mean? And I, I I bet you if we ask the people we work with, that probably means very different things to very to to the people that we work with. Um, people who do the same job as us. I bet you we have slightly different views of what that looks like. Uh, and I wonder if how much of it could be differentiated from busy work. So, so Ryan, you already had some ideas about this. How is, how do you differentiate busy work from engagement? Well, um, Kagan Cooperative Learning uses the acronym PIES, P-I-E-S. And so what they state is that engaging lessons engaging lessons should include in them positive interdependence amongst students um individual accountability so there's no such thing as a group grade um equal participation whether that be through the time that they take or the number of turns that they get um and simultaneous interaction so busy work will not include all of these things, but truly engaging lessons will. Hmm. Interesting. There are like nine eyes in your pies. Um. (laughs) 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 Interdependence, individuality, individual accountability. No, Uh, or just two, it's just two, but um, huh. I'm I'm now curious. Like I love the the statement at the end. It almost felt like a dare. Like it was almost like you want me to. I you dare me to come up with something that's busy work. <laughs> <laughs> that hits come all on, of those do things. It. <laughs> <laughs> I could do something that has positive interdependence, individual accountability, equal participation, and simul- simultaneous interactions, but is complete busy work. Um, but. Yeah, I like the spirit of it. I like the fact that it gives metrics that you're using to decide whether or not something is engaging, uh, which is better than I think I use. Um, Mine is just a feeling. So do you talk this out with your student teacher? I do. Um, The very first thing I got her was a Kagan Cooperative Learning book. Um, And we, after every lesson, it's so, how do you think that lesson went? How many of the kids do you think were engaged? What did you do to ensure engagement? We, we talk about this quite a bit. Mm. And do you have students who are like like reticent to join in, less less engaged, and like oh, does yeah. the does the um, sy- does the system you know like have ways es- to get especially those our guys best engaged? learners are so good at playing the game that they just want to be left alone and they don't <laughs> necessarily want to be engaged. <laughs> uh, so. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I find sometimes my the kids who are best at school are m- most resistant to doing anything that's different. They just want to do their own thing. Right. Yeah. All right, Tanea, how about how about you? Uh what do you think the difference between busy work and engagement is? <laughs> well, I like I liked Ryan's answer. I like that he has some concrete things that you can think about. Um and but I think really anything can be busy work. And I, I, I try not to, I try not to have my kids doing busy work, but I think it really depends on how the kid responds to the work that you're doing. Right. Like if they're engaging Mm -hmm. in the activity, uh, it can be a real moment of 
learning and growth for them. But if they're seeing it as busy work and they're just trying to get it done, then it's it, it's meaningless, right? Um, and then I think about what is the end result of school? What are schools doing? Are we creating a, a system of haves and have-nots? Are we having people go through this system so that some people are at the top and some people are at the bottom, right? And some people are going to have access to certain things and some people aren't. Um, and if that's the case, if that's what school does, then all school is just busy work because you're just telling people you're going to go through this and this group of people is going to end up here and this group of people is going to end up here. Like there's that myth that, um, what is it, the meritocracy or whatever, that like you can easily go from poverty to whatever out of poverty in America, but it's not really not as easy as we think in America, even though some people have done it. I think there's other countries that probably it's it's easier in. There's people who collected data about this stuff. So I keep thinking, what's the, where, am, am I working at, a, and by the way, I don't think I'm like, I think I'm a part of the system. I, I realize that I'm a part of the system that functions to, um, you know, serve some people better than others. I, I'm just trying to figure out how can I be a part of that system and push against it. And I haven't figured that out 100%. But if we, if we have kids that know how the system works, like you said, these kids that you have, the ones that kind of are good students, like good in quotes, right? They're good mm -hmm. students. They know how the system works. They know how to get their A, right? They know the system's working for them. They don't want that to be disrupted. So um, it's a contract. It's a silent contract you have with those kids. Please don't mess up the contract and make me do anything I'm not uncomfortable doing because then that's unfair and I got to work hard. And yet I already have things all figured out and I'm comfortable where I am. Uh, so there's a lot of kids I've met like that where if you do things outside of the box, they get really pissed at you. And I've had that experience where kids... I'm this woman, this black woman coming into this school and I'm doing things differently. And they're like, who the heck do you think you are? And I'm like, oh, I think I'm Miss Tanea. Like, come on, like, uh, you need to jump on board. But it can be, a, it can be tension sometimes when the kids are like, this lady's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. They have this idea in their head of how a teacher is supposed to teach. And I break that contract sometimes for some kids. And so some kids will push against um, what I do. Other kids are embracing of it if they are excited to, to do something different. Um, but I'm not a perfect teacher, right? I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to, to grow and I know I haven't done everything perfectly. So I don't know what the answer is, but I think a lot of school is busy work because a lot of it's just, we kind of know what the end result's gonna be for, like you ever t come to class at the beginning of the year You've been with the kids for a week and you're kind of like, yeah, I know which kids are going to get A's and which kids are going to get, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I, it's, it's brought up a lot of different feelings for me. Cause I, I have a feeling like, I feel like I'm, I'm trapped in some of the things you're talking about. And I think I've broken some of them, but it's, it's hard to parse because you're right. It is a system that we work in. And it's hard to see the assumptions that you're making when you're making them. You know what I mean? Uh, if that makes sense. No, totally. Like, I like I'm trying to like say I'm going to be this teacher that's different, but then yet I like I'm also I have the grading for equity book, and I've I listened to your you and Paul Strode's um, session, and I've had conversations with my school and with Ariel Serkin about grading for equity, and we've tried to host like mm -hmm. uh, workshops on that and talk to leaders at AMTA about these things, but like 
so much of what we do is like what we've been used to doing, right? And then to try to, even if I change what I do in my classroom, does the system as a whole change, right? So I could like maybe yeah. approach things differently in my room and maybe the kids are engaged in my classroom and they're doing things in a different way. But then I know that they're going to have so many other classes where maybe it's not like that way. And they have to go back to that maybe traditional type of teaching mode. Um, they, and they, the, the thing yeah. is, I, the teacher says this, the, the student memorizes, then the kid spits it back and then they get their A, right? And so <laughs> even if I'm the, diff, the teacher that's different or trying to be different or whatever it is, or there are other, some other teacher is a teacher that's trying to do things differently, the kid's still part of that system. And in, within that system, we, we know who wins in that system and who doesn't. Well, I mean, I believe that there's data that shows if you look at the gap between like the economic gap between black Americans and white Americans, that we know who's who's who are the winners and the losers with that system as a whole. Right. Not it doesn't represent every individual, but I ha- I'm building a meme in my head of uh, the 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 structural inequities of education is like a giant boat stuck in the Suez Canal, <laughs> and, and Tanea is, is that little crane is the little crane <laughs> next to it. <laughs> Tanea changing the system in her class to change the st- <laughs> to to challenge the structures. <laughs> that that's the meme that pops. Yeah, it's like it, you have to have everybody working to change it, or it doesn't change, and that's like what the right. dilemma, right? Well, I think there's a yeah, there's there's so many layers to the onion here, though, too. I mean, because you're talking about, you know, a system that has been entrenched for so long and the kids know how to play the game of school, you know, and to an extent, so do teachers. Right. And so, you know, there's there's so many things, I think, that have to be changed in order for us to get to a more equitable system. And to be quite frank, I don't think a lot of people are ready for those changes and they're not willing to make those changes either, um, you know, both on the, st- the student side and the teacher side, you know, because when you start talking about, you know, I'm going to give you this grade or whatever, you know, because as you were talking to me, I was thinking about grading and how, you know, sometimes when we talk about busy work and and the work that we have kids do, I don't know about y'all, but and, and I would imagine that maybe this happens in your classes. Is this for a grade? Is this for a grade? You know, or is this going to count? How does this count? And 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 so, you know, when we think about busy work versus meaningful work, um, you know, I think that busy work is something you give kids when you want them to be compliant, mm-hmm. right? When when you're just wanting them to come in, sit down, do work, you give them busy work. And I like to think that, you know, I don't give my kids busy work because if I'm going to give you busy work, then that means I'm going to give myself busy work ultimately because I'm going to have to look <laughs> at that and evaluate it in some way when I know that it's not meaningful. Um, you know, so I think busy work is intentional, but it's not productive. <laughs> you know, um, it, it fills time and space in your class in some way, but that's not productive time. Whereas if you have meaningful work that you're giving students, you're designing this with some productive intention, right? There's some learning objective that you're trying to get the kids to achieve or something that you want them to master. Um, and you want them to, to show you and demonstrate understanding rather than the fact that they can be compliant for you. And so, you know, I think the more we move toward meaningful work and move away from busy work, you know, the better off our students will be. But I think that also has to come with changes in how we assess and what we assign, you know, a grade, if we even assign a grade at all, 
you know, so I, I think mm-hmm. that it's not just about, you know, designing work that's engaging. You've got to think about the whole entire picture, you know, because one of the things I like to say is that if you don't want kids to play the system or game the system, quit building it so that they can, mm. you know, and, yeah. and that's unfortunately what so many of us do. I mean, I'm guilty of it just the same as everybody else. But, you know, I know that something we have learned this year just from having to teach the way we've had to teach, we have learned not only how to be lean in what we assign, but how do we assign meaning to the things that we give kids to do? right? And, and what are we deciding to assess and how are we deciding to assess it, you know, in a way, in such a way that it doesn't come across as busy work for kids. And so, you know, and, and then looking at engagement after that, you know, because let's face it, engagement when most of your kids are online is a difficult thing to measure, you know, because the way that our admins are are measuring that is, well, did they log into Canvas? Did they interact with Canvas? Did they engage with (laughs) Canvas? Well, hell, I don't know. I mean, I can look and see that a kid's logged into Canvas, but if they've sat on Canvas for four days, that doesn't mean that they're engaged in the work they're doing. You know, it just means that they've logged in, you know, so that metric is not a good one either. It's just showing me, yeah, they logged in at such and such a time. It doesn't tell me that, okay, yeah, they really understood what they did. They you know, got something out of it, you know, and I can't measure that well when my students are not right there in front of me. You know, it's, it's a very difficult thing. Yeah. I, both, both you, uh, both of you talked to Nan Lee and made me think about how I think about assignments and how I think about how any assignment I can give a student has the ability to turn it into busy work. Um, and, turn it into a mm-hmm. thing to be checked off. Mm-hmm. And so I've realized that over the last few years, that even when, even in my most intentional design, like it, it, it takes me several iterations to make it more work for the student to turn it into a checkbox than it does. Like if it's, if they could just authentically engage it and do the thing that I asked them to do in the way I wanted to do, if that's the path of least resistance and it's harder to turn it into a checkbox, then that's a really elegantly designed activity. But um, Mm -hmm. I have students who turn those really elegant designed activities into something that they just, you know, plow right through and check off. Um, And sometimes when they do that, I kind of have to say to myself, well, you know, they blew right through this activity and it's only for like these little bitty amounts of points. And again, it's in my classes are not graded exactly the same because I have made compromises about how my grades work. Um, <laughs> and I don't always design everything. Um, and so sometimes they do it and I look at it and we're like, well, yep, the, this was not designed in a way that really necessarily required them to be as mentally engaged as I wanted them to be. And they worked around the system and they're part of that system. And I could fight them over this right now, or I can use this as a feedback for me and make sure that I find a way to engage them on this idea because I, I whiffed on this. The whiff is not them. The whiff is on me, on the design. Um, and I, I, I've, I've been getting that feedback a lot this year. Um, you, <laughs> that's something that I've been Do you think like, yeah. I don't think all kids are going to care about the same things in the same ways either. Like, and I, that's why yeah. I feel like with, it's like we designed this system where everybody goes through it the same way, but we really need some flexibility <laughs> where kids can say, this is what I care about. And this is what I'm passionate about. And this is what, you know, what I'm going to delve into a little deeper outside of what the teacher's 
imagine, right? And I and I and I don't think that that's all schools have that um, capability of conducting or offering that for students. Well, you're 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 leaning into my transition, um, like you almost like you knew what my questions were ahead of time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I, you did it totally unintentionally. <laughs> but I mean, over the past few years, I know that there's been some educators who've been arguing that we shouldn't be using the word engagement; that instead we should use the word empowerment. Right, that empowering students to make educational choices and to sort of dictate their own paths and to follow their passions um, is really more of that. And and you know, I, I've linked into the show notes an article that talks about both empowerment and engagement and sort of what the these are. So, uh, you know, I was going to ask you: uh, Is this a semantic argument, or is this does this resonate with you? And today, you're saying it's resonating with you. So, why is this idea of empowerment the the key to you? I okay, it resonates with me deeply because when I think about going to school, I don't feel like any the way that the way that school was when I was growing up and as I was moving through through classes and just trying to get by and get into college, I didn't feel like anybody um wanted to teach me to have the tools to not only love myself but like really genuinely love myself, but, but also um, feel like, Hey, I'm going to give you the tools so that you can change this world or you can go out into this world and you can create something that maybe you feel like the world needs or so that you can change the world for the better. It was just about, and, and I have, you know, my, my upbringing was not perfect. So a lot of things were a struggle, but it was really, I was so often at the survival level, um, that, that idea that I could be empowered and I could go do something amazing. It just, I didn't get that a lot. And I, and I'm, and I feel like I'm really lucky. Like I got to work at Lawrence Berkeley labs when I was, um, 14 years old. And I went and worked there for like, I think, three or four summers in a row. And I got to see all this Alzheimer's research and meet the mathematicians and the different, the physicists and the different scientists. Like, so I had these amazing opportunities um, that I kind of just fell into by accident because there was this, you know, program for like poor kids and they could get these summer jobs. And it ended up being this wonderful experience. But I, I think about like, what if that hadn't happened? Or what if I didn't have a mother that was like, no, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to take this class. I don't care what that teacher says. And you're going to go do, you're going to go to community college in the summer. Like I, I keep thinking about like what, what could have happened um, or what happens to so many children who don't have somebody pushing them and saying, you can do more, you can do better. So uh, I think we have to empower students and we have to let them know that we care about their experiences. And, and I'm talking about all students. We care about their experiences. We care about their passions. Uh, and we, we want them to be able to shape the, the future. They don't just have to accept things the way they are. They can go out and engage um, at a young age and start engaging um, with, with the world. And they can do it in a way where they're uh, making a difference or having a positive impact or um, you know, creating new policies or making people aware of different things that they, uh, that, that maybe people need to be aware of. And so we can, we can do that. And I think if, if we're, if we teach kids that they can be empowered, 
the fu- the future just there's I for me there's so much hope for the future. But if kids just feel like, well, this is the system I'm a part of, and I just have to get through, and I get through as a means to like get to this job where I can be on top of somebody else, and I'm gonna at a certain level and a certain prestige. And if that's the end goal, um, to me that's more of a depressing like outlook for the future like what's going to change if people are just saying i'm doing i'm in this race and my idea is to get to the top finish first and outdo the person next to me i just feel like empowerment um connects us right and it 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 allows for more um growth and collaboration so i think it's important All right. Well, Lee, how about you? Where where are you on this empowerment rather than engagement? And is it just a semantic argument that we're having, or do you f- see there's a a difference between the two? Yeah, I definitely see that there's a difference. Um, you know, because I think that empowerment really needs to be the priority. You know, because I think that when you empower someone, you're giving them the tools that they need to be self sufficient, to ask questions, to solve problems, to think you know, critically and logically. And when you're teaching, you know, ideally you're doing this so that, you know, your students can do all of these things within their local context, right? So that they can solve the problems that they see in the world around them. Um, I don't think engagement does that. I think that you have to empower first and, you know, because building capacity in students to, to do all of these things that we need our students to be able to do as they grow up and go on into the world, um, you know, you're you're getting them to that point where they can solve problems and they can ask questions and they can stand up for themselves and others. And so I think that, you know, empowerment is is what allows students to have those opportunities to be engaged and to engage in not just the stuff you're teaching them, but in their local communities and in their glo- and in the global community as well. And so, you know, I think that when you give them, you know, the the tools to to ask questions and to do all these things then you are giving them purpose you're you know you're helping them to see purpose in what you're teaching them but you're also helping them to find their own purpose right you know because it's you know we do so much more than just teach science you know we teach our students ideally to be good citizens we teach them you know we help them to 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 understand why it's important to be just a good person and i don't think that engagement necessarily does that I think empowerment does, but I don't think that engagement does. Hmm. It's just not, it's not enough. Let me put it that way. It's not enough. enough. All right. Well, Ryan, I, I, I think that of the, of the four of us, you, you had the best sort of definition of engagement. So, um, I, I, I think that it would make sense if this resonated differently with you, um, because I, as I said, I of, of especially compared to me, I feel like you have a much better handle on what it means and what it looks like. But do you see a difference between the two empowerment and engagement um, or is this semantic or, or how, do, how does this resonate with you? You know, I feel as though my strengths with identifying engagement um, are naturally offset by my weaknesses in recognizing empowerment. I've, you know, we talked about teacher training and um, deficiencies with teacher training. And I feel like I, I don't have a good grasp of what it means to empower my students. If, if I'm just using the definition of the word, Mm -hmm. um, 
I think I feel like lessons should be both that if a kid is truly engaged, then you are empowering them to learn. Engagement is not something that I do as the teacher. It's something that the kids do. It, it is not I'm not I am not making them engaged. They are engaged themselves. So I I took it to mean I mean they're they're, they're intertwined. Um, but I, I just feel like I don't have a good grasp of what uh, like I'm doing overtly to empower my students. I, I hope that I am, but I, I just it, I'm not as strong in that area as I am at recognizing engagement. So it, it's tough for me to answer what whether I think that there's a difference between the two. Hmm. Well, I can say for myself, I feel like um, my understanding and definition um, is different now than it was 45 minutes ago. So um, <laughs> I can I can appreciate the space that you're in, because for me, it's it's a case where um, I I I wasn't sure. I, I don't know that I I my analogy is going to fit, but I always look at um, learning environments as analogous to a, a, a vehicle like we're, we're on a trip. Um, and you can either be the passenger or you can be the driver. Um, and if you're a passenger, you can totally zone out or you can pay a ton of attention. Um, and really, that has no impact on the like safety of the journey. Um, if you're the passenger and you kind of zone out or if you're a passenger and you're paying a ton of attention. Uh, but the driver has to be paying a lot of attention. And to me, the analogy there is in a teacher-centered classroom, if I'm the teacher and I'm driving all the activities and I'm making all of the choices in the classroom and I'm really just driving everything, my kids are passengers in that vehicle and they can zone in or zone out and that's no big deal. And I'm sure you can envision a case and I know it where I'm in front of the room and I'm setting up the cl the activity and I'm setting up the lesson and some kids are like a hundred percent focus on me. Their eyes are on me. They look like they're paying attention and a couple of them <laughs> don't look like they're paying attention at all. And so they may be listening and they're just not giving me the eye contact or a kid could be looking at me and they could be totally zoned out and thinking about something else. And so if this, if I'm doing all the talking and I'm doing all the driving in the classroom, the kids, it's hard to know how authentically engaged they are. That's it, it, bringing back to Lee's original point. But if the kids are making the choices about what's getting done in the classroom, you know, then they're empowered to make choices about what path they're going to go through. And to me, this is like designing an investigation or picking topics on a research project or, you know, following down a topic. Then they have to really drive and they really have to be in charge of the journey that they're going on. And um, I kind of want my classes to feel more like that. I want them, you know, even if it's going to look like bumper cars, um, I, I need them to have the skills in order to take advantage of that opportunity. And I think that's something we may not have talked about um, enough, but I want them to have the skills so that if I give them the ability to make those choices, they can follow their own interests. So, so, so do, do you think we need yeah, to start ahead. that at a younger age, like at start that at elementary school for students? Um, ideally. Yeah. I mean, to like one of the things that we, you know, we brought up earlier was this idea of, um, you know, and I, I don't even remember who said it at this point, but, but the idea of like the kids come in and they've already learned school and how to be students. And I think Ryan was saying that like the, the, your top students are the ones who like, don't like, you know, the engagement mindset as much because they just want to like do their own thing and they figured out how to learn and 
Like they, they're good at school. Like they've already learned it. They learned how to play this game and they just want to do school because they're already good at school. Um, and we want to avoid, I, I don't want kids who, I don't, I want good thinkers. I don't want kids to graduate high school who just know how to be good at high school. I want them to be good at thinking and making choices and having skills that extend beyond the school. Um, so yeah, I think they have to start earlier. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think we've opened up a can of worms here, uh, which is good <laughs> because, because I now know when I go forward and, um, I didn't actually bring this up because, but it brought, it brought up heavy when, when you're talking about, um, and I think it's appropriate because, uh, we were talking, Lee was talking about the grade list stuff earlier. Um, I actually had some students come to me earlier in the year and tell me that, that the way, I talk about grades sometimes and the way some other teachers talk about grades, particularly in honors and AP um, in my school is they feel like when, when people say things like, well, grades don't matter that it's devaluing their work because they know that that's fundamentally a lie in our school. <laughs> um, and I, I a couple of my kids called me out on that. And so it, it made me think a lot about my, my own language and my own framing. Um, even if my, even if my intentions are good, the way the kids hear it and the way the kids interpret it, we have to be mindful of the world that they live in. Well, and, and uh, for them, remember, you know, if their next step is college, grades do matter, right? I mean, as we're talking yeah. about admissions to college, and if we say, oh, well, grades don't matter, yet they're told, oh, well, this GPA is what's required, or this is the, the profile of the typical person who's admitted to the school has this GPA, then... Yeah, I can. I could totally see how a kid would think. Well, that just kind of craps on everything I've done for the last thirteen years, you know, and all this work that I've done in the last four years for you know trying to get myself into college. Well, if it doesn't matter, then why did I work so hard? You know. Yeah. Well, and and, and so I also think that it has to change yeah, from all the yeah. way top. You know, maybe the system has to change from the very top down. Yeah. Or as as Tanea was saying that like, if if I am trying to change the entire system just in my classroom without the context of everything else, um, mm -hmm. then no matter what my goals and desires and intentions are, they're, they, they'll ultimately be inauthentic because the kids will view them as, right. well, those are the rules in this room. And ultimately what he's saying is kind of a lie. Um, so, um, and they didn't come to me that way. They were, they were super respect, respectful and like, I very much appreciated it. And I, I took notes as we were talking and it made me think about how I say things and, and the way I say things. And I'm pretty flippant and, uh, about, I, I, I'm not very filtered with my students. Um, and so I think that I, sometimes <laughs> I say things that I probably should be, I should be more mindful of where they are. And my goals are empowerment and my goals are, to make them focus on learning and not on the, the grade, but I also have to live in their world, which I don't, I don't know that I do a great job on. And it was, it was interesting to be called out by some really good kids, um, on that recently. Mm -hmm. So, um, you guys have given me lots of food for thought about engagement and empowerment and my own deficiencies in understanding this dynamic. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I hope I get, we gave everybody some food for thought as we move on. Um, so if you have thoughts about engagement, empowerment, uh, you can give us feedback on, on Twitter. You can DM or uh, tweet at Life of the School. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, uh, you can subscribe to Life of the School on your podcast player of choice. Patreons can go to patreon.com slash lots and donate. Um, they can also get early releases of shows and see show notes there, as well as the show notes that we post on lifeoftheschool.org. Music on this and every episode is provided by Jake Jenkins and X Magicians. And you can follow us again on Twitter at Life of the School. So with that, we're going to say goodbye to our April episodes. And uh, I know a few people who are looking forward to May because that's their last month of school. Yes. <laughs> May 21st, baby. Yeah. May 21st. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and us Northeasterners who get out in June will quietly move on but that's okay uh, that's all right <laughs> but uh we we will see everybody in may with our uh some people celebrating the end of the year and some of us still toiling away uh, but we'll talk to everybody soon 